Welcome to Blind Love Radio. I'm your host, Anna Rosen. Enjoy these heartfelt conversations having to do with creativity, transformation, and the divine. Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome back to Blind Love Radio. This is Anna, your host. And today I have Gina from Incandescent Tarot on the Instagrams on the podcast today. She is from North Carolina and does remote tarot readings. So if you're interested in booking a reading with her, um, incandescenttarot.com. She is the co-host of the Open Magic podcast with Brie, who I had on a couple episodes back. Um, her episode was titled Dropping Into the Heart. So it was really cool to have both of them on the podcast now. They are such a fun pair. They have so much wisdom to share. And it was so much fun talking with Gina. I feel like we dived into everything tarot related. She's such a gifted reader and teacher just through the way she communicates and has this really in-depth knowledge of the cards and um, I loved getting into like the little nitty-gritty of it all. Um, I have a very I feel like memorable time talking with her about the six of swords. We talked about the two of pentacles um we got into so many different things so i think you guys are gonna love this podcast i hope you enjoy it definitely give her a follow incandescent tarot on instagram and you can find out more information about her services there and if you haven't checked out her podcast open magic podcast then definitely give that a listen after you listen to this um so i love you guys thank you guys so much for listening and i'm sending you so much magic and okay so why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself to everybody well hello everyone i'm so excited to be on this podcast Um, my name is gina wasatsky and I'm a professional tarot reader and intuitive with Incandescent Tarot. So I've been reading professionally for three years now, which is kind of a beautiful thing to realize. And I've been studying tarot since I was 12 years old. So going on 19 years, which is also a little surreal to think about. Wow, 19 years. Holy moly. How did you find it? You know, I think it's funny. Um, I always hear other tarot readers and people who get involved in spiritual practices um, that around, you know, 12, 13 is a very common time to be drawn to it. So that's where it all began for me um, when I saw my first deck of tarot cards. And luckily I had a very cool mom who was completely down to buy them for me. And that set me off on my journey of studying and reading tarot um, pretty obsessively (laughs) for quite a long time. I love that. So, like, what was it like growing up in your teenage years, like, using that skill and, like, having that tool? 
You know, it was really on the down low. It was a time when tarot was not as popular as it is today. So there's actually a lot of stigma around it. And even though I lived in a very progressive area, um, it was something I kept really secret because it was not cool. (laughs) And so in a sense, I had a really intimate relationship with tarot because it was just me and the cards and the internet wasn't the wild, wonderful world it is now. Uh, So I just had a couple books and I studied and used tarot really personally for the large part of my journey with it in the beginning at least. I feel like that's so amazing to have that when you're a teenager and your hormones are all wacky (laughs) and it's like, like I think back and I'm like, man, if I had this tool, like when I was going through tough periods to be able to like pull a card and like anchor myself I think of like how many hopefully like like things that cause suffering to be avoided so I think it's so awesome to be able to like have that when you're that young I couldn't agree with you more and it was a really fun way to begin too because I don't know, I think, I love teenagers personally. Um, I think they get really bad rap. And it's really an age when you are questioning everything, you know, trying to figure out who you are, navigating all of these wild ups and downs and changes. And so it was really helpful for me as a little goober to have this practice that could give myself a little bit of space and honor for an experience that oftentimes gets kind of short shrift um, in popular culture. You know, so I could ask myself all of these questions that maybe I didn't feel comfortable talking to other people about and see what came up for me as I looked at the cards. And like, who better to be getting advice than like God, <laughs> right? Like, however you think of it, but like, it's just su- such like a grounding and like it's always gonna just give you loving advice instead of like going to your other 13 year old friend that like knows exactly as much as you do and you're just trying to like you know figure it out and make mistakes together but I love that you said making mistakes because I feel like that is just so important and something that I mean I still at times am very resistant to um, but I think Tarot is one of those things that is so rich with symbolism and there's all these different ways to approach it that it's really hard to make mistakes and it forces us out of that way of thinking. You know, we have to explore rather than come to like a concrete and final understanding of some topic. Um, You know, that if it was that way, we would be able to learn tarot in like, you know, a week and everyone would be giving exactly the same readings. Yes, that is so true. So how do you use tarot in your life today? Oh, I'm so glad you asked that question because one thing that I really enjoy is that having done it for so long, my personal practice has taken so many different forms. Um, And following that natural current has been really gratifying for me. And it's one of the beautiful things I feel like tarot has always been almost like a a helpful observer um, and companion as I changed throughout life. So when I first started reading professionally a couple of years ago, I was reading so much for other people and my personal practice really took the back seat. Um, I was just kind of intoxicated with the world of kind of collective tarot. So understanding the cards 
in dialogue with other people and hearing other people's insights. Um, so a lot of my energy went into that work. And now I feel like just recently, maybe in the next the past three or four months, I've really um, rejuvenated my personal practice. And one of the fun parts about that is that I'm using tarot personally in a much more lighthearted way than I used to in the past. So when I first started out and for a long time afterwards, I would do just epic personal readings. You know, I was not into chill three card readings. I was like, no, that's too simple. So I would, you know, do 10 cards minimum and it would be very cosmic and existential, um, which is wonderful. I love thinking about life in those terms. But lately I have been really embracing and loving the joys of using tarot as a more casual oracle or um, input in life. So drawing a couple cards, for example, like before our interview today, um, and the card I drew today is the Emperor, who I'm looking at right now. Um, or, you know, drawing cards if I want to plan what to cook for a potluck, or, you know, what I should know before I go for a walk in the afternoon. And doing that has been really a nice um, addition to my understanding of the cards, because I think, you know, tarot lends itself so well to these sort of mythic interpretations of life, which is really important, but having another bag of tricks to draw from, another set of interpretations, you know, what does the emperor look like in a very, you know, simple, short-term way, um, how might it apply to something uh, less serious than, you know, a grand archetype that we're supposed to take on in our lives. Um, and so I've just been really loving that, and I've been using the cards just so much more frequently because of it. Ooh, I love that. And I love the idea of like, it feels like it's bringing presence and spirituality and divinity into everyday moments, which is really beautiful. Like weaving, um, because really that's like the whole idea of like staying in the moment is that everything that you think you want is already here in this moment. So this idea of like seeking these bigger things, it's like, it's just as great, but then realizing the greatness that's here right in front of you is equal to whatever you're seeking. It like gives it this beautiful balance, which is really cool. I think that's so important. And one thing that I'm really happy to see in this cultural embrace of tarot is a shift away from viewing it as this very predictive tool. So looking to the future, which is, I think, a place where we really get caught up in ego, aspirations, control, um, this sense of being able to shape things uh, excessively, in my opinion. And I love how you're highlighting um, something I completely agree with, which is tarot's wonderful ability to bring us into the present moment. Um, to see what we have within ourselves or really maybe even hear more clearly what we're actually saying. Um, Because I think oftentimes everyday life gets so busy and chaotic and we are asked a lot to look into the future, to try and plan and control. Um, And for me, using tarot is a really wonderful tool to bring it all back to the center, to kind of allow that crazy, chaotic spin that we're caught in all the time to dissipate and give us a clear vision of who we really are, what we want, and what we're able to bring to ourselves right now. 
That's so beautiful. And I love the way you say, like, see who we really are. Because it made me think about, like, when we're using it in the way of really being present in the moment. And we're just, like, picking a card and seeing how it's going to manifest in this simple way. It's kind of like we're stepping into, you know, you could use whatever word you want. But, like, we're seeing in God's perspective like being asked to see how God would see us and see this situation. Because I feel like a lot of times we forget our own divinity and we forget how sacred all of these things are because they're wrapped up in the mundane of life and our senses get dulled to them. Um, But then it's like we get to see, just see this beauty that I think we forget about. Oh, that's so true. And I think one thing that's been so gratifying reading tarot professionally is seeing how empowering and moving it is to give people a tool and a vantage point that elevates their experience. Because you're so right. We so easily get sucked into, you know, the nitty gritty and what's looking at our lives as if it's like pressed up right against our noses and not having that grand perspective that yes, like, we're all alive and we don't know why. We don't really know um, the greater meaning to all of this. Um, There's so much mystery around us and everything we do is deliciously and beautifully ours. It's our life. We have a story that's unfolding that we're directing and there's no set end to that. Um, So there's so much mystery and meaning and grandness available to us. Um, And I love how Tarot reminds us of that. You know, that we're not just, you know, trudging around, filling up time. You know, we are here with all of these desires and skills and talents and connections with the world around us. What are we going to do with it? Um, And so it's so beautiful to see other people really light up when they're given that awareness or given more like a, I think we all have that awareness, but given a window into it or a space where that's really given a lot of value and weight. Yeah, I love that. Like given, yeah, given a lot of value, it's like we're creating a space for it to happen, even though it could happen anytime. It's just like being like giving it a structure. Mm, Yeah. And I think, you know, the more you practice, you know, inviting that awareness in, the more it pops up, you know, so it's like a muscle, you exercise it and then it comes more easily to you. Um, and I was just talking with a, a client yesterday about, you know, the joys of looking for those magic moments, you know, valuing and seeking out synchronicities in your life. Um, and we were talking about how a lot of times people are really quick to to shut that down. And I think a lot of that has to do with fear, you know, fear of, you know, being seen as silly or um, irrational or, you know, all of the lovely things that we, we tie to that, unfortunately. But you know, we were talking like we don't know the the larger meaning or purpose behind this if there is any, but we do know that it brings our lives so much joy and color and expressiveness. Um, and so I think that that's a thread worth following. Totally. So what's it been like with the transition from reading for yourself to reading for clients and then integrating the two? Mm, Well, I think that, you know, when I first started reading, I was really young and it was this very solitary phase in my life and my studies were very solitary. 
Um, and I had a lot of shame around it, in all honesty. You know, it was not a welcome practice. And so I had a lot of restrictive behavior and thoughts around it. Um, and so when I first started reading for other people, it was kind of accidental. And it was pretty fascinating, honestly. I did not expect it to be so wonderful right off the bat. It's probably one of the few experiences I've had that was just immediately amazing. <laughs> and I remember, you know, I started out a little slow reading for a couple friends at a party. And then I dove right in and started reading at a local bar here. Um, so I went from like zero to a hundred <laughs> and I didn't know what to expect. And it was so much fun and so beautifully touching, you know, even in this very, you know, <laughs> kind of claustrophobic, loud environment. Um, where, you know, some drunk people, you know, there's a lot of different energies going on, but all of the interactions I was having were really touching and vulnerable and illuminating for me because I'd been so stuck in, in, you know, it was very productive, but I had been very solitary and aware of my own understanding of the cards, but hearing and experiencing other people's interactions with them just made my practice bloom, both personally and professionally. I mean, it was like the beginning of my professional practice, but it really made me fall in love with tarot all over again because I got to see how much the cards bring out in everyone, you know, regardless of our backgrounds or belief systems. They really speak to people. Ah, I love that. And speaking of, like, speaking to the cards, I feel like, do you have the experience that sometimes tarot just like wants to talk to you and then sometimes it doesn't i don't know it's like a feeling do you get that feeling yeah you know it's funny i think if you asked me that question like three years ago i would have been you know like pretty blocked on it and been like no not at all um but the wonderful thing about tarot is that you know it really pushes me to think beyond what i believe is possible um and so you know, the more you read, I think a lot of people have this experience, but the more strange things begin to happen. Yes. <laughs> and so I completely agree with you. Like there are times when I feel like my tarot decks are so ready to go and they are just sort of like jumping out of their boxes and the readings are just flowing. And then, you know, sometimes there's memes for this, <laughs> but they are very salty and withdrawn and kind of surly. And I really like that about tarot is that it seems to have almost moods. Yes, a personality. Your, yeah, a reflection of our energy or another source of energy. You know, I'm happy not knowing and exploring it further always. Um, but no, for sure. <laughs> sometimes it is you know, the chattiest thing in the world. And sometimes it is like, I'm bored, come back another day. Do you have any like really fun tarot stories like with synchronicities or I don't know, something where you're like, oh my God, that was weird. <laughs> well, so it's interesting. I've, I've practiced a little side note is that I've just started recording my synchronicities and intuitive hits a lot more um, in a more dedicated way just over the past couple of days. And it's been amazing how I don't really file them away when they're happening. And then later on, I'm like, oh man, that was really interesting. And this happened too. Um, 
But one of the most interesting ones was around the, um, what the card was it? It was the Six of Cups. And I remember doing a reading about it. Um, and I had a decision to make. And I was asking about what I needed to know around the decision. And so the Six of Cups came up in the position in the spread for something I needed to watch out for. Mm. And I was so confused because, you know, for people who don't have a, a visual image of it, the Six of Cups is this like delightfully warm and intimate, tender card. So there's two figures, one is slightly taller than the other, and they're sharing a cup, and there's all these cups around them with white flowers blooming, and they're in this sort of enclosed courtyard-like place. Um, so like, huh, that looks nice. I don't know why I would watch out for this scenario. Um, and so I went ahead and was, you know, going down this road. I was going down, um, and it turned out that someone really close to me was trying to sabotage my efforts at the time in a pretty snaky way. Mm. Um, and so I was like, hmm, let me look at this card again. The frenemy. And yes, exactly. Ooh, that was perfect word. But in the Six of Cups, and that was something I hadn't noticed before, there's a third figure in addition from the two tender friends. And it looks like the silhouette of someone walking out of this enclosed space um, holding a spear of sorts, so almost like a guard leaving. Um, oh. And I was like, oh, hmm, I let my guard down. Oh. And I thought that this person who was really trustworthy and close to me, um, I kind of gave them the benefit of the doubt where they didn't deserve it. And I got, you know, I learned my lesson. <laughs> and so that was a really... Uh, powerful experience with that card and it was really helpful too you know I think a lot of times with any sort of system that has all these meanings that you can research um, these moments are so valuable because you know I'll never forget that <laughs> now when I see that card you know I have a whole nother facet to pull on that is very different from the immediate obvious meaning of it so that's one that comes to mind first off the bat I love that story Oh my God. And then, so how do you feel like with different cards talking to one another or like, I don't know, maybe talk a little bit about that because it's like we get so many different layers of understanding and then deciding which version fits what we're seeing all together and like, cards interacting with one another and like forming a story like any ideas on that oh that's such a good question and I think that's really where tarot reading goes to the next level um and you know going back to that idea of like you know reading tarot really pushes you outside of the comfort zone in terms of our ideas of what's possible and you know how the world works but when it comes to card interactions I feel like this is where you know, all of the research and studying, of course, gives you this wonderful foundation, but it's in the moment as you're interpreting how all of these cards are interacting with each other, that's where the true art comes through. And that's where intuition becomes the most important thing that you can bring to your reading. Because, you know, I teach tarot a lot, and so I'm constantly trying to find better ways to synthesize and break it down into something that's, you know, digestible. <laughs> mm -hmm. But there are so many different ways to interpret cards. There are so many different historical meanings, new meanings that people are bringing into being. 
um, if you were to read a group of cards and call upon all of those different facets, it would take you forever and it would be a hot mess. <laughs> it would be so confusing. Um, and so there's a beautiful magic that happens when you're reading tarot is that it's a living thing and a living moment. So you, for whatever reason, what, something will come through to you that takes center stage. Um, and it's usually the most immediate thing. So whatever you notice about that card, and sometimes it's something completely different. Um, sometimes it'll be something you can back up with um, a passage in a book. Sometimes it is seems totally out of left field and a little more um, unstable. But there's a wonderful sort of practice in reading where you have to kind of trust fall into your intuition and let the reading take form as it's happening. Um, and it can only occur that one time in that one moment and wherever the cards are bringing you, that's where you have to go. So I think that's probably a very mystical winding answer to your question. No, I like it. <laughs> intuition. How do you experience your intuition? Mm, such a good question. I'm just liking all these questions. So yes, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> that's probably going to be a repeat statement. No, um, it's great. I am really always sort of keeping tabs on my intuition. And so there's a couple of different ways. Um, one of the major ways, which is a little odd, um, but I do think a lot of intuitive communication comes through your body first, um, is that I get very warm. <laughs> so whenever I give readings here for clients, I, I lower um, the temperature in the room because I will inevitably get a little sweaty. Um, so I get a warmth and a feeling of a pull, sort of like something that is leading me further or deeper into um, an area, an image. Um, and also my feet tend to get really tingly. <laughs> so if something interesting is happening that needs more exploration, I'll feel it in my feet. Um, but, you know, I think everyone has their own intuitive language and we're constantly gathering information about the different types of intuitive intuitive information that's coming through. Um, so it's one project that I have going on personally, is sort of writing down um, and collecting personal data about like, well, was that more, are my hands more of like a, a practical sense of intuition? Um, is there any sort of commonality between these sensations and the type of intuitive information I get from them? Um, I'm curious to see what more I learn and you know it'll probably change over time too yeah that's so cool to take the stance of the observer about it because I feel like so many times we expect it to come in a certain way and yeah. then it, you know and I think we become really surprised like delightfully surprised when something's just like a lot easier than we thought it would be or um, it comes in in this new way and I think you just need to be like open-minded about it because I feel like it's not always the same too like it's something that changes just like our bodies are changing um, yeah that's a good point because I think you know we're trained to look for certainty which honestly I feel like is very elusive and not really common in this world we live in um, but I love how you're you're bringing the idea of like change as like a constant. You know, we're always evolving. Our intuition is 
communicating with us in so many different ways. Um, so to look for that sort of one-size-fits-all um, prescriptive idea of what shape it's going to take is, is really not going to help us in the long term. What are your big three astrological signs, like your sun, moon, and rising? <laughs> so I'm a Sagittarius sun, and then I'm an Aries moon and an Aries rising. Wow! So oh fire. my god! <laughs> and we're talking on the Leo new moon. I feel like fire all around. Yeah, I'm feeling good. I'm really enjoying this new moon so far. Yeah, how is the summer? How are all the eclipses for you and um, Leo season going? Oh, I'm really, it's fun to talk about because I have not really synthesized it that much personally. Um, I was really surprised, you know, eclipse season has been actually pretty tender. It's been a nice, um, but, you know, very deep sort of sense of settling. Um, And so... I was a little nervous going into it, being like, I don't know if I want more (laughs) turmoil. (laughs) Um, But it's really been almost sort of like massaging out some really built up stuff. Um, And now I feel like with Leo season, I'm getting that that zest back. Um, And I don't know why, but I have a huge affinity with Leos. I think it's because they're so fabulous. Me too. I love Leos. (laughs) They're so cool. They're wonderful. I, I feel very like, um, like I admire them a lot because they have such a flair for life. And that's something that I feel like I really want to consciously bring into my way of being um, because I tend to be a little more on the down low. Um, but now as I grow older, I'm like, I don't know how authentic that is as a triple fire sign. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> so in terms of uh, embracing that energy, I've just, you know, been enjoying dressing a little more outlandishly and just being brighter and louder and having fun. So having all of this fire, do you feel like you are creative and what's your relationship with creativity and do you call yourself an artist? Oh, you know, so it's fascinating, you know, growing up, as I've touched on, you know, I was really kind of shut down, unfortunately. And so I had a lot of shame I was very shy and realizing how that is not actually my intrinsic nature over the past you know 10 years or so has been one of the biggest gifts and almost like shocking experiences of my life um I am not a subtle person (laughs) in terms of how I communicate and I really love creating things and I think that you know having to repress that for so long um, there's been almost a sense of um, just surprise in covering all of that energy and drive and ambition and love of just getting into making things. Um, so labels are fun to play around with. You know, I don't think I've ever actually called myself an artist out loud. Um, and I don't have any one, you know, artistic medium that I love, but that is maybe Leo season adjacent, but I have been getting more into photography, which I did a bunch in uh, high school and college, and just sort of creating for creating's sake, um, which is a challenge because I have a lot of perfectionist tendencies. Um, so I'm diving back into the world of painting. But I also think that creativity gets pigeonholed into just the arts. And so as an entrepreneur, I feel like that in the past five years or so, 
has been the major focal point for my creative energy. Um, just sort of starting businesses, launching things, creating offerings, um, doing my design work. Uh, and I have a lot of fun there. Oh my God, you sound like such an artist. Like, no, <laughs> no questions. <laughs> I feel so affirmed. Yes, girl, you are. Um, <laughs> I, so let's talk a little bit about like creating the business. Like what's it like for you being an entrepreneur? When did you like, what is your business? Is it strictly tarot? Um, how did it, how did it start? How did you build it? Um, what's it been like running it? So I had another business before I got into tarot professionally. Um, and that's where I really kind of cut my teeth in the like creation process. And I'm no longer with that business, but it was where I really discovered how much I loved sort of creating a whole new system and image and um, structure for something. Um, and that was a really fascinating um, experience because it was uh, it was a natural body care business, and it was very um, American dreamy. You know, you would tell people about it and they'd get all excited, you know, like, ah, young female entrepreneurs, we can get behind this. <laughs> yes. And so, you know, as much as I loved it, I found that I didn't want to be, I didn't want to become, you know, a manufacturer. Um, and I really enjoyed more the process of communicating with people and, you know, the early stages of crafting the business. Um, and so I left it not really knowing what I was going to do. And then tarot just started snowballing a little bit as I was reading at bars. I was seeing how much people enjoyed it and how much I enjoyed it. And I decided to just go for it in a very, um, I mean, it was planned out, but it was not in a way that I had some grand ambition to take it full time. Um, and so that was a really fascinating process because it was going from something that was just very um, easy to communicate. You know, it was easy to talk to people about it. People could get behind it, you know, and then there's a huge difference going to a dinner party and introducing yourself as, you know, like a skincare entrepreneur than as a professional tarot card reader. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And as someone who spent a long time hiding that side of myself, it was a huge challenge to, um, to step out and do that and own it. Um, so that has been really a big teaching and healing moment. Um, but I've just so loved the, um, the agency and independence that it gives me, you know, I can make the decisions. It's just me, which is terrifying, but also really, really wonderful. Um, and so everything I've done so far has been very, you know, whatever needs to happen next, I'll focus on. Um, And now I'm at a point where I'm starting to restructure and make some secret but exciting changes to my offerings. Um, And so I'm starting to flex some more muscles in terms of being more strategic and um, in big picture about what I'm doing. How have you kind of allowed yourself to grow in tandem with the business? Because I feel like so hard... I feel, or I feel like so many times it's really hard to allow yourself to change and allow your business to change and grow and just any like thoughts or words of wisdom about growth in business because I feel like it can be so hard and so scary and yeah. I think about this a lot and 
one of the things that I really believe in the most just in life is that there's no such thing as a perfectly graceful, smooth transition. And the older I get, the more I'm just accepting of the fact that I am, you know, a restless little creature and that I am always going to get sort of, you know, stuck and wild and feeling just really, you know, uncomfortable for a bit before I make a change. <laughs> and so with this, you know, my, the changes that I'm undergoing right, right now have been a long time in the making. And I have to really wade through a lot of indecision and murkiness. Um, and, you know, the general feeling of just being like a plant that has gotten way too big for its pot. Um, and so, you know, maybe there was a way to do that in a more uh, gentle manner. But I think, you know, maybe it's a triple fire sign coming through. <laughs> but I really am learning to value the fact that, you know, change is a lot of times really uncomfortable. Um, and just sort of sticking with that discomfort and allowing yourself to move forward, even if it doesn't feel amazing all the time, has really worked for me because, you know, slowly you start to walk out of the swamp a little bit and then things start to really clarify and you have the wonderful certainty that you know like even though maybe it was a bit of a longer path you really tried everything um so you know it didn't work you were there you learned from it and in doing that you got to see what might be better um and just introducing that slowly into the equation um so I don't know if that's really a clear answer. <laughs> no, I like it, though. Um, okay, let's talk a little bit about specific tarot cards. So what is your favorite tarot card? Oh, that's such a hard question. I love all the tarot cards, um, and I love them all for really different reasons. I tend to go through sort of like seasons with them, you know, where I'll be in an empress phase, for example, um, and that'll be a card that really resonates with me personally, but this is a very uh, <laughs> iconoclastic answer, but I really love the, ta the tower. Um, that is a card that I have learned so much from throughout my life, and I think that it's a card that really asks us to accept and embrace change um, and to use upsetting or challenging events as a catalyst for our own growth. Um, so it's definitely not a crowd pleaser visually. It's very scary looking. Um, <laughs> but I really found that confronting those things head on has led me to the most profound and valuable and kind of irreplaceable growth in my life um, or insights or, or bits of information um, and I think you know the more the more I read with it the more I see it come up in you know you know the tower light like more <laughs> accessible digestible forms it's not always some scary lightning bolt out of the blue you know hitting you in the head but you, I, I really love it. I just, you know, I'm just going to wax poetic, so I should probably stop <laughs> talking No, do about you that. have any, like, specific stories where you've seen it really transform your life in a great way? Yeah, so when I got engaged, actually, uh, the tower was coming up all the time, and it was coming up leading up to my wedding, which, you know, ah! <laughs> 
would be terrifying and a really bad omen. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> and, you know, I was like, well, you know, this will be another one of my tarot experience, experiments. Like, what's happening here? I'm going to follow my intuition, which says, I don't think this is meaning that I'm going to get divorced in two weeks or that, you know, there'll be a massive storm on my wedding day. Um, let's just see what happens. And what ended up happening was that it became an emblem of my using and experiencing my engagement, my wedding planning process, and my ceremony itself um, as a way to reclaim and fully occupy what it meant for me personally to be married to someone. Um, So I think a lot of times the tower can speak to outside institutions or ideas that need to be shaken up in a way that allows for our own personal spark. And so, you know, as someone who never thought they were going to get married and talked, you know, a big game about how they were going to, you know, be single forever as an angsty teenager, um, to find myself wanting to get married and uh, to be a wife, you know, I hated that word even saying it. It's like crazy for me. (laughs) (laughs) But I really had to like you know, run smack into that big old tower and then use my personal lightning to bring it down and rebuild something that actually felt like me. Um, And so, you know, nothing terrible has happened yet. And the tower has, you know, exited my personal readings for for quite some time. And so it was a really wonderful, almost talisman of, you know, making something my own that had so much baggage and um, structure built up behind it. I feel like a lot of times it comes up in relationship or just relationships like asking to look at the roots of something instead of like what you think should be the flower. You know, it's like you're expecting this orchid, but then when you really like get down to the roots you're like oh my god this is a like a rose bush like that's so beautiful and like seeing like what's really there and like what are we trying to work on growing it's like reassessing priorities seeing where you really are seeing the environment of like the soil um yeah i have a super like super um similar thing where I pulled that card on our anniversary this year and I was like what is this (laughs) (laughs) but it got me thinking about roots because I was like planting all of these things and it just like this idea of tending to the roots of something especially since like me and my husband have been together for like almost 10 years now and congratulations thank you and like the two people we started out I feel like we're completely different people than we are right now and I think just like it it reminds me of when you were saying like repotting something like this request for attention to allow for bigger growth almost like I just love that that's amazing and I'm really into and like inspired by your like organic sort of look at this card because 
I think that is so wonderful and like rich with meaning, you know, like we focus often on the tower, which is this man-made structure, but yeah, what's underneath that? Yes. Um, what, how, yeah. And that sense of like, I, we need to be grounded in our truth. Um, and if we're high up in this tower, you know, our feet are nowhere near the ground. That is amazing. And it's a funny aside though, another synchronicity, but while, while we were talking about this, my husband just started leaf blowing outside of the window. <laughs> I love that. So I'm like, excuse me, sir, I'm having an interview. But <laughs> No, it's perfect. That's great timing. It's just like a little nod. It's like, yep, okay, blowing gonna... all these leaves up. We're going to pay attention to the grass. <laughs> That's awesome. Okay, so other cards you love. Okay, well, I love the Nine of Pentacles, um, which I feel is just a wonderful aesthetic in general. Like, it's a very, again, Leo season, fabulous style card. Um, I really have been into the Six of Swords lately, too, which I feel like is a sleeper hit of tarot. People don't talk about it a lot, and it has a very moody, bittersweet quality to it. Um, so, you know, there's the image of these people on a boat and they're crossing over this body of water um, to this shoreline, which is just trees on it. I think there's a teeny little bit of a house that you can see in the distance. Um, and there's a boatman who's sort of, you know, throwing them over. And I've been dreaming about this card a lot and I really love its, its it shows, and I think maybe this ties into our discussion about, you know, growth in business and in life in general, you know, the, the bittersweet facet of moving forward is that you're leaving something behind, even if it's really challenging, weird, that's still familiar. Um, and so it shows how when we make decisions to, to move ourselves forward and to maybe do some like next level thinking about the world in a more complex way, that we are really evolving and it's bringing us to a totally different place. Um, so yeah, I can just get lost in that image. I feel like it's so evocative and mysterious. Do you have any personal takes on the on the Six of Swords? You know, I got that card yesterday. Ooh. And so my business is going through a bit of a transition. So I also have, or my main thing is that I have a hairstyling business. That's so cool. Yeah, it's really fun. And I am a bridal hairstylist, so mostly weddings. And my assistant, who is my sister. Oh my gosh, that's so cool. (laughs) Which is super fun, but she is moving to New York City. I'm in D.C. Um, She's moving in the fall. So, you know, she's going to be here to help me um for the rest of the fall or the rest of like august and september i have a ton of weddings booked with her um but then for like after that i'm gonna need to like transition and like and it's really been giving me a lot of anxiety because like i prefer to like work on my own i feel i get a lot of anxiety with you know, having people accountable to show up, that just, like, freaks me out. It's so scary. Like, it's somebody's wedding day, right? Like... (laughs) No pressure. No pressure. (laughs) Um, And it's just something that, like, I've dealt with before, 
and like you know going through finding assistance and having assistance and you know it just comes down to working with other people which has never been I would say the easiest thing for me um you know in all honesty of just like I I'm a bit of a control freak so trying I'm a cap I'm really am a Capricorn through and through like I want to control everything um I get a lot of anxiety if somebody like takes away my control or we have like a last minute change of plans it throws me off um so it's been a big trans or it's just been a lot a lot because I'm very excited that she's getting this new opportunity and it's going to be amazing. And we've even talked about, you know, it's not that far where she still could come back sometimes. And I was even thinking, like, I could take weddings in New York now. Like, that's such an amazing opportunity. Like, if she has an apartment there, we'd still be able to take weddings together there, which I love New York City. So that's really exciting. And that's a big plus but I'm still dealing with the fact that I'm going to, you know, f- need to figure out what I'm going to do about continuing with booking more weddings here. So I, I did get the Six of Swords yesterday, and I was like, she had the interview, and she she said she aced it, which I'm sure she did. Like, why wouldn't everybody love her? So I'm like, all right, Anna, you're, you can't avoid this. Like, you need, you need to deal with it and you need to ask for help. Like, this is, I, I, I clearly know now that I don't want a big company myself. So I decided to reach out to a company that I sometimes work for that's a bigger company than me um, to see if I could collaborate with them. So they would be taking like the contracting responsibilities and things like that. And if we could somehow like move forward together where I wouldn't be taking on extra responsibilities that make me anxious and nervous, but I would still be able to grow into this new phase of, you know, my life and my business and have this be, I'm hoping that like it'll be for the best for everything and everyone. And I'm trying to stay positive. Like, we have, me and my sister have this like funny saying now, we've been doing this like best case scenario for everything, like especially like weddings because they get so stressful. So we're like, it's fine. Best case scenario. It'll be great. And so it's, I'm just putting this together now, but she had changed it recently to smooth sailing. Oh, that's amazing. I know. So we've that been so like smooth hard. sailing, smooth sailing. It's fine. Just like, just keep going. It'll be great. Like this wave is going to take you wherever you need to go. So I think really like the reflection of asking other people to help you Like, I know that I can't take on this change on my own. I can't do this on my own. I need other people to help me. I need other people to help me grow. Um, And I think it's really scary when we put ourselves out like that and we put ourselves into the hands of others. 
it's very uncomfortable, but I think very expansive. Absolutely, and it sounds like you're really working with the energy of that card, because I love it in that it's like a sword's energy harnessed in a really healthy way. So using what you know about yourself and your business and how you work best, and taking that insight with you and using it to shape the choices that you're making. So like thinking about the swords on the boat, you know, like what swords help you, you know, like where are your best um, environments or your best relationships? How do those things, you know, bolster your business? And so it sounds like, you know, what I love about it is like, while there's a journey and while you're shifting out of the balance of the six, you're, you know, needing to rebalance in the future, but you have all of this information with you that is giving you the perfect compass with which to direct your choices. Um, Oh, I love that idea of the compass. Yeah. Oh man. So it's fun actually, while we're talking, I have my, I just moved all of my tarot notes over the years into this um, massive binder, um, which, cause I would start all these journals and they would just, you know, there'd be five of them with like duplicate entries and it was just a hot mess. So <laughs> now I have this really cool binder system and I'm like, all right, I got to write compass down in my page for the um, six of swords. Yes. <laughs> and write down smooth sailing. Oh, yeah, it's so perfect. It's so beautiful. You know, like, I love this interaction, too, because it's like showing, you know, when you talk about tarot with other people and share it, you learn so much. And it is such a, like, wonderful way to bring the cards, like, further into reality. And it's, I feel like it's because of that, because it's so much easier to see other people, too, than to see yourself. (laughs) Totally. Like, I don't know. It's, yeah, so then when you, like, have that interaction, like, somebody's able to shed light on all of these things that you were too close to see. Oh, that's so, I I think, you know, something I I get at and wax poetic on a lot, as you can probably tell, I'm very effusive. (laughs) And so, but it really touches me and is so beautiful just how tarot is really quite a collective tool and it, like, elevates everyone, you know, it really gives us so much of a like framework and platform to just kind of amplify what we know and what we know collectively and share it with other people. Like, oh, what's better than that? So I pulled a card and I pulled the two of pentacles and the seven of cups. (laughs) So like, what are your relationship with those two cards? Do you have any like, I don't know, stories or ideas, thoughts? Well, I mean, I love both of those cards, so it's really fun that you um, you pulled them. Um, I've been in a huge Two of Pentacles mindset lately, and I, I just appreciate the Two of Pentacles so much. It is such a jaunty, fun, and really, like, I feel like a creative card. So with the Two of Pentacles, I think a lot about the power of being flexible and in the moment and allowing yourself to innovate with whatever life throws at you. So there's a really, you know, happy looking guy wearing this crazy, crazy outfit. He has some bizarre long hat and he's with all kind of red orange shades and he's dancing a little bit, juggling these two pentacles that are encircled by an infinity sign. Um, I love this card and I feel like I use it a lot for 
myself personally as sort of like a little talisman or, or aspiration of like, you know, you can deal with whatever life throws at you, have light feet, enjoy yourself while, while it's happening, um, and let yourself be in the moment and avoid stressing out over what might happen because then you'll drop some of those pentacles um, and it might be a little more complicated. Um, so I feel like it's very empowering and it has like nice dynamic earth energy. It's not like um, the four of pentacles, for example, where it's like maybe a little too solid sometimes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's some movement and fun and uh, creativity there. I love that idea about innovation of the moment, especially with it being the um, the infinity sign with yeah. it. Like, that's so cool. And then thinking about, like, the strength card, which Leo rules with having that above her head. And kind of, like, the... And just thinking... When I think Leo, I think, like, creativity. So, like, putting the two together is such, like, a cool idea. That's so neat. I know. I I love the Leo connection because I feel like it's so palpable. (laughs) Also, of course, like, a card connected to Leo will be wearing that outfit. Um, oh my but, god, yes. <laughs> and then for the Seven of Cups, um, I feel like I have to shout out to one of my, my dear friends um, and sometimes client, um, Lucas. Um, so Lucas, wherever you are. Shout you out to Lucas. <laughs> but he had the most wonderful response to, um, to this card when I turned it over one day when we were reading together. And he was like, oh, of course, it's the Pinterest card. Um, <laughs> yes and it's like really captures that Pinterest energy of like you're collecting and looking at all of these like wonderfully enticing ideas and images and things and DIY projects but you're also getting a little overwhelmed <laughs> with and, all of the options <laughs> and I feel like none of those actually end up being what you end up choosing Like, just thinking about it from hair, like, so many people bring in, like, a Pinterest board of what they want, and then by the time we look at their hair and see what it actually wants to do, and we combine it with, like, what kind of dress they got, and yada, 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 like, it turns into this whole other thing that was only, like, inspired by these pictures, but it can't actually, like, be the thing. Ooh, that, I feel like that has such a wise message, you know, like you can use inspiring ideas and like aspirational images or, you know, plans, but it's really just a springboard and you're going to land yes. in a very different place. Um, but all those things brought you there. But if you stay in that realm and look for that perfection, you're never going to actually embody it in real life or touch it yourself. Ooh, I love that. I feel like I never fully got that card until this moment. So that's really cool. (laughs) That's amazing. I I have a lot of fun with that card, too. I think about it a lot, sort of with, like, escapist fantasies, um, which are very fun. Um, And I feel like sometimes with tarot cards where you can get stuck in them, and I think it goes for any tarot card. But one thing that I've been trying to do lately... um, Because sometimes I think when we try to fight energy, we end up giving it more power. Um, So, for example, with the Seven of Cups, um, if I'm feeling flighty and, like, in a Pinterest mood or, like, I'm feeling like, you know, burning my house down and moving to, you know, some foreign country, I'll, like, actually take some time, like, 20 minutes, 
and look at real estate in like Switzerland or something and like imagine, you know, like what if I actually did this? Maybe I'll even like plan a little bit, look at flights. And that'll sort of like scratch that itch. And then I can go back down into whatever I'm doing <laughs> and sort of regroup in my actual life. Um, because sometimes I feel like that card gets a little bit of a, you know, ooh, beware, the illusions. Um, but, you know, in healthy doses, illusions can be really fun and nice. Yeah, and it's fun to dream. Like, it's fun to, like, dream up these things and think about what you want. And I don't know. It's just enjoyable in itself. Oh, totally. I'm definitely writing down it's fun to dream right now. Yes. <laughs> in my little file here. Okay, speaking of dreams, and you talked about dreaming about the Six of Swords a lot, do you, tell me about like your tarot card dreams. Like what's, what are they like? Do you dream a lot? Do you remember your dreams? <sighs> dream work is one of the things that, I mean, I, I love dreams so much and I've always had really punchy, powerful dreams. Um, it's also one of the practices that when I actively pursue it, you know, like keeping my dream journal, you know, doing active imagination, you know, doing actions to bring my dreams into reality, I kind of trip myself out a little bit. So, you know, it's like I, I'll, I'll get into it and then I'll back off because it gets a little too intense. It's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. What's, what's happening here? <laughs> yeah, it's like, um, it's actually very much a seven of cupsy where it's like, okay, maybe I'm like too far out of my waking life. Um, that being said, <laughs> I have had like, um, like we were talking about the six of swords. Like I've been having a lot of boat dreams or sort of like being in a vessel going across a body of water. And just last night I had a dream that was very odd. I haven't unpacked it yet, but I was in a rowboat and I remember thinking about the card in the dream too, because I was in the boat and someone else was rowing me away. And the water was totally calm. And I was like, that's so strange. The water is calm. In the card, it's rough on one side and calm on the other. So why do I feel nervous still, even if the water is completely flat? Um, so that was my dream question that I have yet to answer. Ooh, I like <laughs> it, though. I know, it's kind of spooky. I'm like, what does this mean? Um, and then I've had a lot of sort of like tower-esque, um, medieval imagery-like dreams, sort of being in landscapes that are very similar to the Rider Waits Smith deck. Um, and those are the only ones that are coming to mind right now. I don't know about you, but like, it's so much easier for me to recall dreams when I'm about to fall asleep. And then I can sort of flip through them like a little Rolodex. Um, but when I'm awake, <laughs> it is so challenging. I feel like they'll start to come back to me when I'm in like some sort of subconscious state, like I'm making art or I'm doing yoga and then they'll all just like flood back. Yeah. And it's like, oh, there they were. It's really, they're so mysterious. I really, I really love them. Um, so do you feel like you go to like the same places or do you feel like it's like a different place every time you dream? Oh, I definitely have similar dream spaces. So there are different landscapes um, and places that I'll revisit, you know, over years, you know, like, oh, I'm going back. Oh, I'm in that place. Or, ah, me too. It's so weird. 
isn't it strange? And then sometimes you'll you'll pioneer new dream territory. And yes, like, oh, totally it's different. So um, exciting. Related, it's crazy. <laughs> I found that like sometimes I'll even see like a new side of a space. Oh. Like, a new corridor, or, like, it's, like, the same building, but, like, a different area of the building. Ooh, I feel like that is so powerful. I'm getting goosebumps, because I know I I used to have, I had a lot of dreams um, while I was living there as a child, and then as an adult, too, of where I grew up um, in Massachusetts, which is in the middle of nowhere. It was a big old rural area, very beautiful. Um, But I would always dream in, like, three directions, um, and I would never dream um, in the north, so like kind of behind my house. And then I remember having this powerful dream where all of a sudden I was in this new, like the final frontier. Of yes. And it was so, I mean, it feels very spiritually important. And I've only gone back like a handful of times. Um, but yeah, I wonder, I wonder what's up there. <laughs> yeah. And I wonder like what it was that like unlocked it too. Oh, yeah. I mean, this is making me think as well, you know, dream, dream themes. <laughs> um, but when I was starting to get back in touch with my spirituality um, and right around when I was kind of in the middle of my last business and starting to really come to terms with the fact that I was not going to stay with it um, and I was turning to tarot more and more, I started having all of these water themed dreams, um, which in tarot speak too is very on the nose. It's all Water is all about intuition and spirituality. Um, but the water started out being absolutely terrifying, you know, like giant waves drowning me, um, this sort of unruly, scary landscape. And then over a span of about a year and a half, it, they started progressively lessening in intensity. So moving from like a scary ocean to like a lake, um, to a murky pond. And then finally it ended out in like this beautiful sort of like swimming pool, a lagoon swimming pool. That is <laughs> it, so cool. I was like, oh, like I'm, I'm really learning and accepting like my own intuitive gifts and I'm figuring out what spaces they need and it's becoming something that I can go to that is, you know, healthily contained and respected um, and it's not drowning me, <laughs> which yes. was a happy, a happy occurrence. Do you ever get like stalker cards? Definitely. Um, That's a really crazy tariff phenomenon. And I remember when I started learning, being super dismissive of it and scoffing at the whole idea, Um, but quickly having to eat my words. (laughs) (laughs) They happen to everyone. And uh, even it's interesting, like I I teach a ton of beginner classes locally here in North Carolina, and um, and it'll happen in group reading swaps. So people will, you know, a class, like the whole class collectively will get one card in all of the readings Uh or people will swap readings and draw similar cards for each other. Um, I'm trying to think about personally what has been a stalker card for me lately. It's been a little less obnoxious, which I feel like is good. Um, But I think the Empress has been the latest. Ooh, that's so appropriate for the year of the Empress. I know, right? I'm really, really happy to be dealing with that archetype. Um, yeah, how is it like that, actually manifesting? Ooh, a lot of sort of personal expression and valuing pleasure, um, which I think 
is something that is very important to me, but it's also been, um, you know, something that I've really avoided in life because it makes you vulnerable. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) and so it's been fun to really feel myself sort of stepping into that role and like being like, you know what, I'm going to do this just because I like it. I'm going to do this because it makes my life rich and wonderful and it gives me meaning. Um, and I'm going to follow that sort of instinct um, rather than trying to control or regulate or plan out um, how I'm presenting myself and what I'm doing with my time. Um, and again, also Leo season inspired. I'm just dressing in a lot more floral, flowing Ooh, robes. Yes. <laughs> so you pulled the emperor. So in tandem with the empress, how do you feel like they differ or play off of each other or any thoughts? Mm, so the emperor is a card that I've struggled with a lot. Um, and it's a card that a lot of people have a very visceral reaction to. It's, it's thundering right now, so <laughs> he's announcing himself. That's but, um, good mood, moody music in the background. <laughs> um, so I think for me it's been interesting because I've embraced more naturally the qualities of the Empress, which is this sort of um, lush wildness and creativity um, and warmth and empathy. Um, but I've also learned that I have a lot of emperor sides that are really important and actually help protect and enforce uh, the qualities that come through the empress. So where the empress is more amorphous and wild and has more porous boundaries, the emperor is all about creating structure and order. Um, and I've been really, I think maybe a minor arcana card that synthesizes this really well is the, the four of wands. So finding a way to give your life structure that's authentic to you and protects you but allows for growth and expression and connection. So basically healthy boundaries. Um, (laughs) And, you know, they are a pair. So the emperor, the empress, in that sense, you can think about bringing their qualities together as the sort of dream team energy um, because too much of one is a bad thing. Um, And what I love about tarot is that it tells us that we're working with so many different energies and it's about creating a harmonious um, sort of piece of music out of all of it instead of trying to find the right approach or the right soul energy to be embodying at any one time because we're far more complex. Yeah, Um, in one note anything would be boring. Exactly, exactly. And I think the emperor as a card, you see the one noteness more clearly because it's a very rigid looking card you know the traditional rider weight it looks sort of like patriarchy illustrated um (laughs) so it's not surprising that it's a really difficult archetype for a lot of people people but for me it's really challenged me to step into and own my own power um and that is something that you have to take a stand for um you can't beat around the bush um, and you have to own your actions and values. And But doing that makes you so strong and, and able to enjoy your life. Um, so I think both are very important. I love that idea of it allowing you to enjoy your life. Like you wouldn't fully be able to get all the juice out of the Empress without having some sort of like structure. Oh, I like that. I like that. I like the juiciness. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) 
What? Yeah, I think, mm-hmm. you know, the, the Empress, too, like, people misinterpret that card sometimes as being, like, excessively soft. Mm-hmm. Um, but both have a lot of power in them. Um, and so as we're talking, too, I'm thinking, it's like, if these cards really are in dialogue, maybe that's more a constructive way to look at them. Like, they're in conversation. They're, like, supportive partners. And it almost feels like the Empress communicates through silence, through the communication. Like, she's holding the space or, like, setting the frequency where, like, the Emperor is taking action through that frequency. Almost. Maybe broadcasting it. Yeah. Because it doesn't seem like an active... Like, it's more like a passive receiving, maybe not passive, but, like, more receptive than with the Empress, rather than, like, the, like, the physical creating of the Emperor. I mean, I do think, though, that the Empress, I do associate that card a lot with physical creativity, um, maybe a more artistic and spiritual sense. Um, I think about that card a lot with like gardening. So, you know, like treating your life as something that you're actively growing and bringing into being. Um, and maybe the, like the Empress is more of a, oh, what am I, I'm looking for a word here. Um, but it's like an authentic inner becoming, whereas the Emperor is bringing all of the information and values and input of the empress into a more publicly sort of sanctified role so yeah i'll go for it like the empress is like the seed or the plant that actually like grows but it's like the emperor is like harvesting and tending like the structure of like tending to it oh yeah you know it's making me think of um when you plant a really delicious vegetable garden and then all the pests want to eat what you're growing. Yes. <laughs> the emperor is like the fence around yes. the Yes. I love that. That's a great analogy. Ooh, this is fun. I feel like we're really diving into these cards here. Yes. Okay, so what card do you feel like best represents you? Oh, I do feel like it's always changing. So sort of cycling through embodying different cards at different times. And it's interesting too, you know, I think when you, when I first started reading tarot and I was really young, I really wanted to have like my single card. And of course I wanted it to be the high priestess. Um, of course. <laughs> I was a preteen interested in the occult. So what better card? Um, <laughs> and so I think and a lot of times too, people will look for the court cards as, um, as, their and their most like uh, powerful energy that they embody, um, and so I guess a card that I've been choosing to work with um, as I embrace more of my fire sign energy has been the Queen of Wands, um, and then lately just in life I'm trying to think. I mean, I really think the Two of Pentacles is what I'm most aspiring to practice in terms of everyday life. It's sort of focusing on the moment doing what I need to do and really allowing all of my projects to be in dialogue with the world around me instead of like hermetically sealed off and searching for perfection. I love that because both of those cards seem so like magical and inventive. Oh I love that makes me so happy those two words are so great. 
And you you also have a podcast, right? I do, yes. It's called Open Magic, um, and I co-host it with Brie Sikorsky from Tadpole Magic, who's an amazing astrologer, tarot reader. Um, she's just so great. Um, and that's been, yeah, our fun latest creative project. Um, and yeah, I did not expect to love podcasting so much. It is so much fun on both ends, you know? I love being interviewed, too. It is, and I feel like it's so transformative, like hearing all of these different perspectives, and they spark these new ideas, and then they spark things within yourself then that you start like thinking about. Oh yeah, it just really reflects off in so many different directions, and one thing, you know, our podcast is still pretty young, you know, I think we just had our 15th episode uh, go out the other day, and I just still haven't gotten used to the fact that you know, you, you record this wonderful conversation and, and have this moment and then it is out there in the world um, being listened to at, you know, random times by all these people that you'll maybe never meet face to face, just sort of making an impression. I'm, I'm constantly just shocked by technology, basically, <laughs> is what I'm saying, but it is really beautiful knowing that it's just, you know, resonating outwards. I love that it's shareable. Like, I feel like so many times art, you make it, and it's so easy to make something for yourself, but it's so much harder to be vulnerable enough to share it with other people and really have it be, like, a group expression and participation. Like, it grows or evolves as people listen to it. Um... It's cool. It just doesn't feel like a stagnant, one-dimensional thing that you just do for yourself. It's like this project that's able to like take on life and like become its own thing. Oh, I agree so much. And it's really beautiful seeing just how much of a community there is out there. You know, there's so many amazing people asking the same questions and exploring all these different modalities and bringing so much insight into into life itself. And it's amazing knowing that. I know even though I get salty about the internet, um, <laughs> this is a great facet of it. <laughs> there are great corners also. Great corners of the web. It's so true. I know. And yeah, I didn't. I didn't have this sense of like a, a big community that was available, you know, when I was starting out on these paths. Um, and so it's really healing too, to be able to provide that space or be a part of those spaces for, for people who are just starting out and exploring all of this. Do you have any resource recommendations for people on where they can learn more about tarot and intuition and magic? Anything that's like informed your practice, like books, podcasts, I don't know, anything really. I love resources. Um, Yes. (laughs) I'm a super, and this is probably just like my generation too, but I am a huge, huge fan of um, 78 Degrees of Wisdom by Rachel Pollack. Um, That is like the first tarot book that um, really, really spoke to me and is also deeply, deeply spiritual. Um, It's something that I can return to over and over and over again. Um, And it's a wonderful introduction. Um, I'm also a huge fan of um, Learning Tarot by Joan Bunning. And I think her, her website, learntarot.com, I'm not sure if that's the actual web address, but it's something very close, if not that. 
um, she has that book for free online and it's a really accessible way to dive into things. Um, it's not overwhelming, <laughs> which I think can happen really quickly with tarot. And then recently there have been so many wonderful books coming out and I'm always reading them just to have things to recommend to students and anyone asking. Um, but I loved um, Modern Tarot by Michelle T, um, which has a lot of fun uh, spell work that you can use if that's your cup of tea. Uh, um, <laughs> whoops, I just walked into that. Um, <laughs> I also really like uh, Creative Tarot by Jessa Crispin. Um, if you have a more artistic bent, that's a really, really good book. And it gives, both of those books give you an inroad into the card's meaning that isn't just memorization. So either a work of art or a spell that you can do to better understand the energy of the card. Um, I also just um, was sent a copy of The Power of Tarot by Liz Worth. And I love that book because it doesn't have um, a card meaning dictionary, but it does an insanely good job at addressing really pretty much all of the questions I can think that most people new to tarot ask starting out. So like, what does tarot do? Why would I use it? What is intuition? Do I have to know astrology um, to read tarot? Um, so that was a really fun discovery that I really enjoyed reading. Um, and then, of course, I have to do a little self-plug, but I do have a super cool um, dictionary of card meanings. So basically, my own um, personal understanding of the cards that I've developed over my years of study. Um, and they're on my website, incandescenttarot.com. Um, and that's just a fun thing to create that I probably made about two years ago. And I just love knowing that it's out there and, you know, providing a resource for people who are looking to understand tarot a little bit better. That's awesome. I love that. What was that like creating that? Oh, it was really a really wonderful exercise because I think when you studied something for a long time, you kind of assume. I don't know, you lose touch with what it's like to start from the basics. Um, and you also don't really have a good understanding of how much you know. Yeah. <laughs> and so having to write them all out was a really, really interesting, um, empowering exercise because, you know, I am not, you know, immune to uh, imposter syndrome. <laughs> but I was like, oh, what do I know here? And then it's like, oh, a lot. <laughs> I, have to, I have to pare these down. Otherwise, I'm going to write, you know, a tome of tarot meanings. Um, and it will be interesting, you know, I love all of them, but I know I have so much to add um, if, if I were to go back and edit them. Um, but, you know, that's the thing with tarot is it's never finished. You're always adding new insights and bits of information and stories and myths to your understandings of the cards. And yeah, if you were to write it all down, it would take probably the rest of your life. Ooh, it sounds like it just, like, poured out of you. It did, though. You know, I had to also, like, plan, <laughs> which I'm not very good at. So I was like, all right, you got to, you know, did it by, you know, seven each in the major arcana, and then I did it by suit, and I was like, I had to be diligent, otherwise it was never going to get finished. Um, but it did, and, and now it's out there in, in the big old world. That's awesome. Do you work with the moon phases at all? And if you do, like, what's your practice like? So I have to admit, I love the moon. I love the moon phases, but I am not organized enough to come to <laughs> work with them. <laughs> and, you know, in my, in my ideal, if there was an ideal Gina, 
she would be mooning it up hardcore. <laughs> I tend to, and maybe this is actually valuable, but I found that I tend to work backwards. So I'll notice myself being drawn to doing a certain ritual or journaling about a certain topic. And then I'll find out or discover the moon phase and be like, oh, that makes so much sense <laughs> that I am, I'm delving into that right now. Um, so I don't know, you know, I do, I guess, sort of inadvertently, and then it always comes through in social media, but I don't have a very, um, set rigorous practice around like, you know, constantly observing. Um, but I tend to do a lot of full moon stuff. You know, that's one thing that I will consistently work with in some capacity. I love that it like evolves and changes. I feel like that's very like moony in itself where it's like I feel like the moon is so go with the flow like when you... <laughs> it's all about flow you know it's like yeah. pulling the tides <laughs> and I feel like when you like don't pre-plan something it's like allowing yourself to really exp- experience the energy like yeah. you're really embodying it and then you're able to just reflect back and see you know, intellectualize the experience. But I think a lot of times we intellectualize it because we like coming into it because we're, we have like so much information overload and really these things are so primal. So being able to like strip it down, allow ourselves to experience it with the body and then go back and like think about it, I think is really cool. I think that's so valuable. I'm really glad you said that because that's one thing that I'm really consciously working on right now is like shifting my, my, my basic orientation. And I've been so programmed. I think a lot of us have to start with the intellectualizing, to start with the planning. And I do think that often is connected to control, you know, so I'm going to, I'm going to plan this out. I'm going to do it because I do it. And I do it in a very rigorous way. That means I'm legitimate or, you know, doing it right, whatever that is. Um, and so as someone who was also, you know, really raised in an uh, intensely competitive academic environment, I really have this knee-jerk uh, response where I'm like, no, I have to research everything and do it the right way. And, you know, it has to be this intense process. Um, and part of really leaning into my intuition and discovering, too, that that is much more authentic to me is working in that, you know, feeling the energy first and then interrogating it or that's a harsh word but you know exploring it more intellectually after you've gone to that place you know letting that lead the way instead of what you think you should do or what is supposed to happen um I think that's much more interesting yeah and I feel like you're able to like really like go then where you're meant to be too instead of this is like music to my ears of a recovering controlaholic here because a lot of us I'm in I'm in the same club (laughs) I feel like it's especially like when you're growing up on the east coast it's such (laughs) it's like so fast-paced and defined only by your productivity and your intellect and I think realizing that there's more to life and it doesn't always need to be so stressful is like a huge idea I hear you on that like that, that East Coast sensibility is very powerful. <laughs> it is. And I feel like it's so cool that, you know, it's 
like you said, like tarot started out you when you said you were doing tarot, it was so taboo as a teenager and you felt really shameful of it. And I feel like the East Coast still has a little bit of that stigma. I don't think we're quite as open as um, like California is or most of the West Coast. Um, And I think like really being brave in who you are and open, you know, and not conforming to this set structure that like you think you should follow like this over, you know, it's just like intellectualizing yourself, but like maybe that's not really you. Maybe it's just like these ideas that you've like inherited through society. I know it's so interesting that for me, you know, as I I grow older and begin to really um, invest in and trust the process of my own becoming, is so much of it is really just cleaning house. <laughs> like, like hmm, is that really mine? I don't think so. Like, I don't think I believe in that at all. Um, I was talking with a friend the other day about decision making and how, you know, I always assumed that I made all of these big plans and really thought out my major decisions in life. But in reality, all of the important decisions I've made, um, you know, to, to buy a house, to get married, to, you know, pursue a course of study, start my businesses, like, they have not unfolded in that way at all. They were very intuitive. And I just felt like, you know, I have to walk into this and just see what happens. Um, those have been great decisions. <laughs> so, and, uh, you know, it's really hard to trust in that. Um, and maybe part of it is feeling a little nervous every time. But I am, the more data I get, the more I realize just how powerful it is listening to and following your own voice. Even if it's not giving you a dissertation, it's giving you enough to make the next step. Yeah, because sometimes it can be so simple, right? And then we overcomplicate it (laughs) like crazy people. (laughs) Because it's just like a little nudge and you're like, oh, I should go do this thing. But then your brain's like, oh, but what about this, 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 and this? But it's like when we look back and see like when we have followed that like simple feeling, like the the beauty in which the other things just seem to take care of themselves is amazing. Oh, it makes me think too, you know, part of I think what we're talking about is also like, you know, a very East Coast, uh, <laughs> but like the idea of like the ultimate individual making everything happening, doing it all themselves and one thing that's been so beautiful about unfolding in my spiritual practice and my business and and my life in general is that everything is a collaborative effort. It's not just what you're bringing to the table. Other people are bringing things to the table. There's other forces outside of us working um, to to influence our lives. Um, And it's not this sort of... um, You don't get to take credit for everything, but that's so wonderfully freeing (laughs) because it's not... The pressure isn't literally all on us. Of course, we have to make certain decisions and own them. But the way it unfolds is definitely not um, completely in our control. And that brings in a lot of beautiful energy and wonderful things that we can't conceptualize of. Um, You know, we can't imagine what they would be. But when they happen, they're so much better than whatever we were thinking. 
And I feel like when we like, it's such freedom when we give our give ourselves the grace of not needing to be everything and control everything. That's like, gorgeous. like oh my God, it is so painful when we try and do that and it causes so much suffering. And I think even though it's so hard to let it go, you know, when we do, I think it's so rewarding, like you said. Yeah, when you were talking, I had, like, the image of looking at, you know, like, a beautiful painting through, like, a straw. (laughs) You just get this teeny little perspective, but what's really happening is, like, this masterpiece. Um, And so we have to step outside of ourselves a little bit to take all of that in and accept that it's there. You know, I think a lot of the times that's the hardest part is, like, trusting and accepting that things can be big and beautiful and just wonderful however they are in that moment. Oh, I love that. That is beautiful. We're going places. (laughs) We are. We've been chatting for a while. (laughs) Do you want to tell everyone where they can find you and any last like little thoughts or ideas you have? I don't want to keep you on too long. I think, I know, I, I feel like I am like delirious and giddy with um, everything that we've talked about today. Um, and I'm so grateful to be on here and so happy for everyone who's, who's been listening. Um, so you can find me online at incandescenttarot.com and I'm on Instagram pretty sporadically. I'm trying um, <laughs> at incandescenttarot. Um, I'm also on Facebook under the same name. And then you can find my podcast, Open Magic, um, anywhere you get your podcasts. Um, and we also have a website, openmagic.com, and a Patreon where you can sign up for just $5 and get a whole bunch of really amazing goodies right now. Uh, so we do like weekly spells, um, bonus episodes, a whole bunch of things. Um, so I look forward to seeing anyone in any of those spaces. Um, and you can always email me at info at incandescenttarot.com. I obviously love to talk about tarot and all of the magical things associated with it. So thank you again for having me. Yeah, and people can book a tarot reading with you on your website or just email you. Is that the Absolutely. best way? I have a very, very efficient, wonderful uh, booking system that has <laughs> really made my life so wonderful. Um, so you can book online at any time. And I do readings in person here in the Triangle at my Magical Tarot Studio and also online via Zoom, Skype, FaceTime, really any uh, platform. Um, so you don't have to be here to have a session. And I love reading about just about anything. Um, so in particular, you know, big existential life questions, transitions, um, business in particular, because I have so much fun brainstorming around it with the cards. Um, but yeah, I would love to read for anyone. So please reach out. Yay! Thank you so much, Gina. It was so fun talking with you, and thank you for sharing all your wisdom with us, and it was just a delight. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Enjoy the rest of your day. Bye. Bye. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to today's episode of Blind Love Radio with Gina at Incandescent Tarot. 
definitely send her some love because I know you guys loved this episode because it was wonderful. And if you really did love this episode, if you could please rate and review the podcast, that would be balls. And it really helps other people find the podcast and spread the good word. So also, it would be amazing if you shared the episode, if you liked it, that would be awesome. That gives me all the good feels. Um, And that's it, guys. Thank you guys so much for listening. And I will be back soon with another episode. Mwah!